I remember taking a family member to a methadone clinic to get methadone. Now, the concept of using methadone or Suboxone is still, a lot of people have a lot of energy around whether or not we should use meds to help someone break their opioid addiction. What I know after doing this podcast for three years now is anything we can do to help a person through the early stages of their recovery, to relieve pain, to relieve the pain of, of uh, withdrawal symptoms, to allow their brain to function so that we can get them involved in recovery is a valid, worthwhile exploration when we're talking about recovery of opioids and opiates for a loved one and a family member. Now, what I remember about taking my family member was A, I had that energy around, oh my gosh, you know, they're, they're using drugs to get off of drugs. And we're going to address that in this episode. But B, when I pulled up to the methadone clinic and he got out and waited in this line that stretched around the side of the building, and I was watching from across the street. I was watching the cars that were picking up and dropping people off. I was watching the people. I was watching the people hang out in the line and the people hanging out in the dump by the dumpster after the line. And they were doing more than just methadone. And it left a really intense experience lingering with me about using meds for opioid recovery. But times have changed. There's more than methadone now. And methadone is still used. And what we have here is Dr. Abid Nazir. He is from Symmetria Recovery. And they have a very unique and a very hard data result of success with their work with opioid and opiate-addicted people. And this is suffering. And we have to find a way to alleviate the suffering. Dr. Abid is going to talk to us about... Symmetria, Symmetria's recovery system, their model that's working, the evidence that they have behind it. So welcome to the CCSAD and Beyond Risk and Back episode. And Dr. Abid, thank you so much for joining me. Dr. Nazir, you work for a unique clinic. First of all, your office is beautiful. And I remember that uh, um, when, I drop, when I dropped my family member off, this place looked like a rundown old gas station. Like I said, it really left a negative experience of recovery. And this was years after my own recovery, but this left a really hard experience for me to justify. And it wasn't until meeting people like you, working with companies like Symmetria, that I began to really understand methadone, suboxone, and the other ones that are be being used. So Thank you for joining us on Beyond Risk and Back and being part of the C4 and CCSAD events. Um, tell you. us about Symmetria. You guys got something different going on there. Yeah, thank you so much, Aaron, for the opportunity, honestly, to kind of get the word out of different ways that we can approach um, trying to battle this epidemic. And I agree. Everything you said was spot on. I mean, there is this general overall kind of conception of what a methadone clinic is and how the vibe is there. Like you said, there could be lines out the door. Sometimes there's um, a lack of services there and it really makes you question the whole approach. So Symmetria has taken, there is, so there's a two really good things that, that is offered in the setting of a methadone clinic. One is the option of methadone. 
as a medication to help with withdrawals, control cravings, quiet the brain down. It is a different um, approach when you're comparing it to Suboxone. It can be more beneficial for some patients, especially when there's a lot of fentanyl use in their history. Um, Sometimes you need something stronger of an agonist effect on that receptor, um, the opiate receptor. So that's one good thing. The second good thing is that and this is one of the big things, is that it's a dispensed medication. It is not written as a prescription. If you give a 30-day supply of anything with opiate properties to somebody struggling with opiate use disorder and just want them to take it as prescribed, you know, that's a tall ask sometime. And that's the nature of that, that condition, is that sometimes you will try to get a different effect by taking more than prescribed, diverting it, but buprenorphine is one of the most diverted medications out there. Um, so what we did is like, we wanted to get the concept of an OTP license. It's, it's a different regulation, uh, you know, with, in terms of what we can do. And it's heavily, it, you know, it's heavily regulated, but we actually wanted to be able to dispense meds, but not just methadone, we're agnostic in what med. Our primary med dispensed is buprenorphine, and we have plenty of patients on methadone as well as Vivitrol and any new treatment that comes in the future where as long as it's evidence-backed and legitimate uh, option, we are very willing to implement that. But we wanted to use that part of that license. And then the actual setting, the one part missing is comprehensive care. It's like going to a doc in a box if you have cancer versus going to cancer center where you know you have everything you need in one spot. It's so hard to navigate releases of information. Are you seeing the therapist, the, the partial program that you might be in, the psychiatrist writing you the wrong medication possibly, or your primary care writing you something interacting um, with your MAT medication. So it's like taking all of those components, putting it under one roof with a real-time EMR, um, psychiatry being available immediately because you know we can we can treat the opiate use disorder and then if somebody's still on a high dose of Xanax let's say or misusing stimulants like cocaine or or depressed and we uncover that actually can get worse when you pull the blanket off from when you finally get control of the heroin use or the opiate use now you have uh, something else that needs treatment and we can't just say go see a psychiatrist it takes months to get in it's it's hard to find them access to care is an issue so now we're treating complex comorbid cases somebody needs to slowly taper off of a benzodiazepine or nobody's willing to treat an adhd because they've used cocaine cocaine it might be the drug of choice because they have adhd and now they're stuck in this dilemma so because there's so much oversight in our setup we're able to actually handle that. And we have the specialist on site. Everybody's uh, an addiction specialized um, staff member or provider. So we have addiction certified psychiatrist. Sorry, go ahead. We, no, it, there's a lot it, to it, say about it and it's, I, get, yeah. I get caught up in that. Yeah, well, no, this is great. And I want more because what I'm starting to understand is, and then again, I'll go back to my experience. It was largely the lineup of people were walking up to a window and getting a cup passed to them out the window, right? This is not what it sounds like. Is this, is, are you guys a clinic? Are you guys a doctor's office? You had said off the air that it feels like a Starbucks. And the Mm -hmm. first thing that that said to me is 
uniform, clean, dignity. Those are the th those are the things when I think about having coffee at Starbucks. I know what to expect. It's going to be clean. I'm going to get needs met, and it doesn't feel like a repurposed gas station. It you know it <laughs> feels like a building that is specifically built for my need in that morning, which is a cup of coffee. But for for an opiate addict, you you say it's a it's a one stop shop. It's is is that what we're talking about here? Explain that 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 sure. example you used earlier. So uh, one is there's a lot of elements to this. Is the actual clinic sites that you know we have about 14 clinics now and we're growing. But every clinic site is not prime and center. Um, it's a privacy issue. You want to actually be kind of blended in. So they all look like typical office suites. It could be in an office building, a freestanding office complex, whatever it may be. But it's very, it's kind of unnoticeable. There, each clinic is capped on their size. They, we don't just expand, expand where the census goes to the point where we can't even handle it. And there's a line out the door. There's no lines. And it feels like a doctor's office when you go in, a high-end one with very nice finishings. Um, the staff knows the patients really well, like family, and there's a million touch points. They come in when they come in, they have, it's actually designed in a way where they do their, they might need a, to do a drug screen. They can, then they stop at the counselor's office and that, and then they move forward to the medical doctor, then the psychiatrist, and then the nurse and then the pharmacist, like at the end, it's like a round robin. The last step is the medication, um, pickup that you, that we dispense. And if they're relapsing and struggling, what we do is just increase our intervention and bring them back quicker and give them less medication. So yeah, it feels really nice. And everybody knows everybody's name, that type of, um, you know, that old cliche, but it is true. We, we keep them small and nice and it feels like a doctor's clinic and a high-end one. I want to give a quick shout out to some sponsors who have been a big part of the C4 CCSAD 2020 conference. It's important that we really have these people so that this, this experience of moving to online, taking all this information, moving all of this, these, these speakers, these guests online, uh, this, this takes time. This has taken effort and this takes some money. And I want to thank the bronze patrons of the CCSAD virtual 2020 conference. I'm talking about aware recovery care, Brookdale, Discovery Behavioral Health, Eating Recovery Center, McLean, Newport Academy, Retreat Behavioral Health, Silver Hill Hospital, Spectrum Health Systems, and Vista Research Group. These are people who've stood up with some time, some money, and some energy to sponsor this virtual 2020 CCSAD event. Thank you to our bronze patrons. Now let's get back to the show. So it seems that the differences that you guys are doing is, first of all, the environment, the setting has a more personal touch, a more personal feel. You're not just being shuffled through a line. Um, and that if there is a need that arises, this is a place you can also get the need met, seeing a psychiatrist, working with an intervention specialist, an addiction specialist. Um, so is that the thing? Is, is it really that simple that you guys have started to discover that all it takes is a little bit of dignity in making sure that this person whose name you know has access to all these resources here in this one space. Is that where you guys are getting your success? You and I talked off the air about 
the hard data, this data mining of the insurance companies, the results you've come up with, the evidence you've come up with to say your model is working better than others. Is that it? Or like, like I had asked earlier, you guys got some secret thing in your back pocket that's proprietary and you don't, or are you just treating people like human and giving them the care they actually need? Definitely don't have anything secret and proprietary. I always question <laughs> when companies will say that. Um, there, it's about, yes, it's about the structure, the model of care, dignity, respect, the right setting, everything available. It's important to be able to dispense meds, not just write meds, and that they have all treatment team aspects real time in one spot. That is what I think is providing, driving the outcomes. You know, in some subset, like an alcohol use disorder, if residential treatment centers actually have really good outcomes, alcohol is everywhere, and sometimes you do need to remove away into a little bit of a bubble retreat in a residential. In opiate use disorder, we're seeing the outcomes aren't, aren't as good compared to a comprehensive OTP setting, which is what Symmetria is doing, because you resensitize all your receptors and now your tolerance is gone. And when you get back to the quote unquote real world and the first trigger or stressor or happens and you relapse, there's a higher risk of mortality and, and overdose death. So in, in a setting like this, it's a chronic disease model. So people, the average length of stay is like around a little under a year and people will be there long enough to get all the aspects of their condition treated. So, and then we actually successfully will taper off of methadone and, and buprenorphine for a lot of our clients, not everybody, everybody's different. So I think it's really just executing that. Now, well, how do we know that the outcomes are good? You know, it's very rare for data to be in the addiction medicine space. There's soft data like, hey, hey, there's a client sober. Let's call them after they've left rehab. Um, right. That's not concrete data. So we wanted to actually look at actual like urine drug screens, readmissions, cost to payers. So and we are a value-based model, meaning this is at risk that we have a, basically we put all the cost in to treat a member and then we get a monthly uh, amount from an insurance company that contracts with us. And then we have to prove to them outcomes. To, so we have to show our success. So what, what we have is we, we've uh, aggregated and, and uh, acquired data from all the commercial payers um, out there for a period of, it was about five year period. And we actually mined that data from a third party medical informatics firm that was actually able to pull out our clients versus the general opiate use disorder clients and how much money was spent down to the zip code on on different services like er admissions icu admissions outpatient cost medicine cost and actually showed averaging between 50 and 80 percent higher success rates in in the symmetria model it was compelling enough where uh, one of the major payer actually made us a distinction center and did a study of their own, not with us. We, they looked at their own data and pulled our outcomes and our cost savings. And it showed that yes, for the year in treatment, they're paying about the same, but for, that is because immediately there was a drop in their medical spend. And then there's a cost of our program. But afterwards, it was almost back down to a quote unquote normal population, meaning somebody without wow. opiate use disorder, the cost to them, and it stayed that way for 24 months is how far they've looked so far. So that was compelling. So we're, this, the approach we're trying to do is that it's not a fee for service, that more I see you, 
the more I write different tests and different, right. the more I'm going to just, it's, it's incentives are not aligned that way. Our incentive should be, we don't care about anything, but one thing is an outcome. And that's where our reimbursement comes is keeping people well. We have, that's, that's how we get uh, more income is by doing better and better. So if, if healthcare services and healthcare providers are going to work, have to work, alongside of insurance company payers the data has to be able to support the insurance company has to like the data and the ethics that must remain on the providers part to say our job is to get you in get you healthy and get you back to life not to keep you into a system it is really the thing that has thrown our industry into turmoil into controversy are programs that are just fishing insurance po policy payouts. The ethics of what we are doing, whether you've gone to school to get your, your PhD or MD in helping people get covered, whether you're a 12-stepper, whether you're a, a, a CAC 1, 2, or 3, our job is to get people in healthy and out so that they can get back to life to have the insurance company backing you guys up and, and to have their evidence support your evidence to support your model. That's huge. I got to say it's impressive and it's huge. So nice work there. I appreciate that. Yeah, we, we are, you know, we have a 12 step smart recovery. We're treatment agnostic. We're not like, Hey, it's the only one way or the highway. Um, we want evidence based and we're nimble and we're able to implement new things quickly, but it's a, it's introducing a whole new way of approaching this from an in, ter in terms of payer contracting. It, we're trying to like break the mold for this and it, it's, yeah. there, it's hard. It takes a while to get insurance companies to understand that, that we have outcome data and they're willing to take that kind of a approach to contracting. But I'll tell you, Aaron, that's where it's all heading and that's where it should be heading as, as this goes forward. So agreed. Agreed. How are people are going to find uh, a symmetry recovery? How, how, where do they look for, for you guys? Yeah, just symmetria recovery.com. Everything you would need to know is on there and we have, we can get you in and into the treatment and on the, Really, we do this usually within 24 hours. We're getting people in the door and onto medications. So, um, and there's a 24-hour uh, hotline there that the admission specialist would walk you through the whole the whole process. Wonderful, Dr. Abidnazir, thank you so much for uh, uh, not only being a part of the Beyond Risking Back podcast. But obviously, of CCSAD, uh, your your work here. I know this. I, normally, you and I would be sitting in a room right now with my podcast studio and everything like that at one of these great conferences. But here we are in Zoom, just like the rest of the world. I hope to be able to shake your hand soon at one of these conferences one day as we meet face to face at uh, at the next one when we finally are allowed to, even if we have to wear masks and gloves. Like to shake your hand and hear more about uh, the guys' program. This is fantastic. Likewise, thank you for all the strong work you do. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, stay on the line for just a second. All right, folks, thank you for joining us in this episode of the CCSAD Beyond Risk and Back here at the C4 Conference of uh, Online, the virtual 2020 conference. I'll see you again. Hang on. And we are...